0: Your war room for insider news and draft analysis.
1: Dallas selects Emmett Smith, running back from Florida.
2: Last year, he was an absolute beast. My gosh, like, you are an animal. This guy is. Okay, there's a lot of great receivers in the country. He's right there. Look at this. CD Lamb. He's got breakaway speed. Deep throw
3: wide open.
1: CD land. It's already his night.
2: Team Forty Burger is the play where a week from, or a week away, I guess, a week in the rearview mirror of the NFL draft. But C.D. Lamb was the pick at 17, and we are still celebrating here on DallasCowboys.com in the draft show. One final show this 2020 season. Kyle Yeomans, David Hellman, Jeff Cavanaugh, back with us. Kevin Turner, KT, down in the corner as well. C.D. Lamb was the selection. The Cowboys did it. They did it. Best player available. They went BPA. It's still exciting to talk about. There was the the talk earlier about the number selection. I don't care about any of that kind of stuff on the side. I just care that C.D. Lamb is a Dallas Cowboy. He's got a star on the side of his helmet. And it's fun to talk about because now we have endless options whenever it comes to C.D. Lamb. And then, hey, the rest of the draft was pretty, too, pretty, uh, pretty great too, guys. Uh, you can't really complain about any of it. But, Dave, now that we're a week into looking at how this draft class kind of evolved. What are your thoughts, at least at this very moment?
3: I think I finally got past the point of thinking it was surreal. Like for two or three days there, I kept like having to pinch myself to think if it really happened. Somebody actually, somebody tweeted me the other day and was like, you were more stressed out about the thought of cd lamb being available and the cowboys not picking him than the thought of somebody drafting cd lamb and i was like absolutely like a hundred percent because i did not want to have to try to sell that as a good decision to anyone because it wouldn't have worked and luckily the cowboys didn't make me do that they drafted the best player available by a long shot and we can go through the rest of the class i mean they got great value everywhere i think it's It's the most excited I've been about a draft class in the moment uh, in my time covering the
2: team, easily, easily. And Jeff, Team, or I guess Captain Trade Down didn't get to ride over the course of the weekend, but I don't think it really mattered because Team Forty Burger's here, right? Are you happy with that?
1: There were two very strong, conflicting emotions inside of me. Captain Trade Down was a finely crafted character over a long period of time, Kyle. But uh, Captain Trade Down... Uh, was willing to fall in a sword when C.D. Lamb was available and so Captain Trade Down, I should probably change the name in here because Captain Trade Down is no more. Captain mm-hmm. Trade Down doesn't need to exist when C.D. Lamb's on the board at seventeen and Trayvon Diggs is on the board at fifty one. Captain Down doesn't need to ride. He just needs to uh he needs to back on into the distance and next year when the Cowboys are picking thirty second, maybe Captain Trade Down will be back. There
2: you go. So Captain Traydown's a team
1: player.
3: Was Captain Trade Down like your way of protecting your feelings? You know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Same as you were doing. Yeah, Captain Trade Down was my way of bailing out of a 17th pick that was AJ Terrell or Trayvon Diggs. That was that was my way out of that pick at 17. Where, you know, the way you feel about it at 51 is a whole lot different than the way you feel about it at 17 with somebody like Trayvon Diggs. Dude, um, it's... I was even scared of. Cha- I was scared of Chase on.
3: Yeah. It's insane how much better I felt about Diggs at 51 as opposed to 17. Uh,
1: or, or even yeah.
3: like 25. Like, As a first-round pick, I'm like, oh, I don't know, guys. And at pick 51, I'm like, this is the best pick that's ever been made.
4: <laughs> well, we, we knew this draft would be like a little different than maybe drafts of the past because of everything going on in the world. But I walked away, this is probably Tuesday night, Um, A couple nights ago, I was going out for a a walk, get a little exercise, right? Staying away from people, of course, and I went, I'm an idiot. I don't think I did a good job of talking up the scenarios here. I should have laid out more scenarios for it being possible that C.D. Lamb is a Dallas Cowboy. Because if you look at the top 17 picks, there weren't many surprises. Maybe you want to say Andrew Thomas going fourth, but I think people saw him going before the Cowboys picked at 17. Maybe A. J. Terrell flying in at pick sixteen. It's not like there were a million surprises. Not all four quarterbacks went before the Cowboys picked at seventeen. I kinda of went you know, I kind of get, got a little bit of regret in the way I talked about ah, how possible will it be to get a guy that you like. It turns out it was extremely possible and there weren't that many surprises. So but overall I feel great about the draft. But I for myself and to the draft show listeners out there, I'd like to say I apologize. The C.D. Lamb thing should have been thrown up against the wall a few more times than it was. and I, uh, So, yeah, I feel bad about that.
1: You know, I, I actually...
4: Be,
3: oh, oh, we all got a lot to say. I love it. Let's go. Somebody go.
1: <laughs> I think, so, like, you weren't alone in that because C.D. Lamb at 17 just wasn't supposed to happen. And I think you're on it where A.J. Terrell was a part of the reason he was there. And mm-hmm. Javon Kinlaw was a part of the reason he yeah. was there. Because most people thought San Francisco, there goes a the wide receiver... And so there's C.D. And then at 16, a lot of people thought it would be either Kinlaw or Chase on. And then at 17, you have your pick of those guys. And, yeah, we probably didn't talk enough. Well, you know what? No, we did, though. We, we were did. The drum but... of if one of those top three receivers is there, I don't think they'll pick him, but they should, and they should be open to that. So I think we did that. But even the second round, because I know on Thursday night. Uh, I made a video on my YouTube page where I was like, all right, let's talk about the second round. And I'd love to present a scenario where Christian Fulton or Trayvon Diggs can be the pick, but obviously that won't happen, so let's be realistic. And then they were both on the board. So, you know, sometimes sometimes you just don't know the way these things are going to play out. If I were running a simulation, which I did, you know, 500 mock drafts in the little simulators, if CD gets to 17, I restart it so I'm like, that's not realistic. If Trayvon Diggs is at 51, I restart it. Because I'm like, that's not realistic. So, you just yep. take your gifts. Yeah, I, I actually and I think also. Agree...
3: Oh, go ahead, Kyle. Go for it, Dave. Ahead, I, just, I agree with Kavanaugh completely. I mean, I don't think any of us thought CeeDee Lamb would be there because I think we would all agree he was the best receiver in the class. I think the Cowboys thought that as well. Yep. He was number six on their board. I think he's a top ten consensus player. But we did talk a lot about the prospect of the Cowboys could be faced with a choice between a receiver who is the best possible player and a defender who really meets what they feel like they need. Like I feel like it's set up really well where they might've had a choice between a receiver and chase on or a receiver and Fulton or Diggs or Terrell, whoever you want to say. We just didn't think it would be CD lamb. And I think that's actually fascinating. I was talking about this on Twitter yesterday if the choice is between Ruggs and Chaseon, I, I won't say Judy because I think they probably would have picked Judy, but if it's Henry Ruggs and Chason, do they do the same thing? I don't know the answer. It's
2: interesting to think about. I agree with that completely, and that's kind of where I was leading is the fact that it brought up that best player available debate, but if it would have been another wide receiver, would it have been a debate? Would it have still been Chason and you would have still gone with need I think it was the fact that C.D. Lamb was so highly elevated on their board, the fact that he was the number six overall player. He was number one on their board in terms of wide receivers, and he was number one on all four of our boards as a wide receiver. So the fact that he fell was surprising, but to KT's original point, the fact that he fell wasn't necessarily as uncommon as you would think. You see it every single year. One of those top players ends up falling into your lap, especially right in the middle of that first round. There are so many different scenarios. Different players. I thought it would be one of those other quarterbacks. Maybe a team trades up to go get Jordan Love as the fourth quarterback in the top 15 picks. I thought that would have been the thing to push it, but I think it was the AJ Terrell. I think it was the pick that the Raiders made selecting Henry Ruggs. Even the Jets going with an offensive tackle at 11, I think, contributed to the fact of CD Lamb actually being able to fall in their lap. Now, with all of this, this fun, you still got to find a place to put them on the depth chart. And right now it says, hey, he's your number three receiver, right? I'm to bring up the question. You're, you're, you've got high, sky-high expectations. You've got two 1,100-yard receivers on your roster already. Is it possible that CeeDee Lamb is that number two target instead of Michael Gallup? And we'll throw Amari Cooper in there as well. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a chance he's the number two receiver on the Cowboys this season?
1: I went on record of saying that um, I think that a year from now, CeeDee Lamb is going to be the number one receiver on the Cowboys. Wow. And going into this year, and yes, I get it, $20 million guy is on the other side, but I think CeeDee Lamb brings a level of consistency that Amari Cooper... Well, I think that that is where he will be, and for this year, ah, I think it's a great conversation and debate, but I don't have a strong opinion on it. I think mm-hmm. all three of them are going to be on the field the vast majority of snaps, and coverage dictates where the ball goes. But I think CD is going to do an incredible job of building trust with a quarterback because of his catch radius and what he does with the ball after. So I would not be surprised at all if we referred to him as the number three going into the year, and a few weeks in we are like, oh, just kidding. He's two or one. I... I- I mean,
3: you can call me a a coward if you want to, but I just, like, I don't see why you have to have a stance on this. I looked this up yesterday. Uh, They were in 11 personnel 61% of the time last year, and I bet that'll go up this year, Uh, especially when you have a guy like C.D. Lamb on the roster. So you're talking about 65% of the snaps where all three are on the field, and I would assume, maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume C.D. is... You know, he's probably going to spend the majority of his time in the slot because I think he can do that the best um, between him and Cooper. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, like, he'll be third, I guess, in name just because you typically think of your slot receiver as the third receiver. But I just think of it as all one big group. I don't really feel why you have to distinguish between the three
4: of them, honestly. And if health is good for, for all three guys... I, mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that you have three guys in your wide receiver group with the potential of having 70 to 75 catches. Um, that seems like a lot, and I know there's you know, targets for Zeke. I know there's going to be targets for uh, Blake Jarwin, um, although I could see Jarwin having less of an impact in terms of total number of catches than, like, Witten had. Um, I, I think it, it's a lot to ask of a rookie wide receiver to come in and catch 70 balls. I'm not doing that, but... I mean, the upside here is outrageous, and the types of ways you can get all of these guys the ball, especially Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, the types of ways you can get them the ball, whether it's down the field or whether it's short, screens, you know, there's so many things that you can do to kind of get the passing game going now, and and this is kind of why I'm glad that they weren't scared to pull the trigger on CeeDee Lamb, not only because of him, but just the offense did need another wide receiver. If we came out of this draft without CeeDee Lamb, let's say we've got Chase on and Diggs, we would be going, well, who's our slot-wide receiver? And maybe they addressed that position during the draft. But now my biggest question is Tyron Smith's back. And yeah. who's going to win the left yeah. guard and center and get all that figured out? But my questions are now about the offensive line, and they're not about any of the skill position players. And I think that's huge. In this day and age where the NFL is, you don't need to have questions about your skill position players. You need to know what it's, they can do and have confidence in them. It's really
3: crazy to me, and I think, you know, 95% of people love the Lamb pick, but, I, you know, there have been some people that, have, you know, they, had, they needed defense, they had to draft a pass rusher, they had to do this. As if receiver was not a huge need. Like, the depth chart behind Gallup and Cooper's is terrifying. Uh, it's absolutely scary. And so people acting like this was a luxury pick, I think that's insane because uh, you need three receivers in the modern NFL you need three good receivers, preferably. Um, so I I never really understood that. And, I mean, if you go back and look, like, let's say they pick Caleb on Chase on. Your options at pick 51 were Denzel Mims, which that'd be fun, and uh, Van Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And your options, if you wait until the third round, it was pretty much just Devin DuVernay or Bust. So I feel way better about yeah. getting C.D. Lamb and figuring out the defense later uh, and that's, I mean, not a knock on, on Denzel Mims. He's a good player, but I'd way rather have
2: C.D. Lamb. Well, he's the top receiver on all of our boards, I think we would all rather have C.D. Lamb just <laughs> yeah. because of the fact that he opens up such a possibility uh, on that offensive side of things with Kellen Moore. And I'm excited to see what what kind of influence Mike McCarthy has on this offense as well, because... In Green Bay, he used a lot of those two tight end sets. Now you don't necessarily have to use a two tight end set. You can throw three receivers out there with Blake Jarwin and Ezekiel Elliott and have some fun at the skill positions. Now, before we take our first break, I do want to address the defensive side of the football because that's what the Cowboys did in day two. They took Trayvon Diggs at pick 51 in the second round, Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, in the third. And and where do these guys kind of fit in the rotation is my biggest question. When we're talking about the depth chart, at receiver with CeeDee Lamb thrown into the mix. Where do these two guys fit? Because cornerback, you needed to double-dip a corner. They did that. They took Reggie Robinson in the second and the fourth as well as Trayvon Diggs in the second. And then you also you add to that beefed-up defensive line with Gerald McCoy, Dontari Poe. Now you throw Neville Gallimore in there. Where do you guys see this kind of playing out, and where do you expect these rookies to land when it comes to the depth chart?
1: I don't want to put unfair expectations on anybody because after the Mm -hmm. draft, I said, however Trayvon Diggs ends up, he ends up, and you don't worry about it. And a year from now, he'll be a starter because so many people's contracts will be up. But as of today, I'm buying the talk of Cheeto potentially getting a look at safety because every corner that they're bringing in looks the exact same. They're all 6'1", 205. That is their corners. They got the long arms. Cheeto doesn't. Um I think that's the route they're going. So now I think Trayvon Diggs is going to come in and he's going to start. And I think that this team is going to play a lot of press. And according to yep. Pro Football Focus, Trayvon Diggs was the best in the country at press man last year. So I think that it fits. It's really weird. I said this on radio yesterday. They, will McClay was most excited by Mike McCarthy because he said, players over scheme. will make... Yeah the scheme fit around all the good players. But at corner, they're not doing that. At corner, they clearly have a plan that this is what we want you to look like because this is what we're going to do. And I'm okay with those two conflicting ideas somehow. So I think Diggs <laughs> is going to be a starter. I think Galmore is going to be Gerald McCoy's primary backup and play probably 30 to 40% of the snaps. Um, I think Reggie Robinson will be a special teams demon. He mm-hmm. blocked a kick every year at Tulsa. So I think he'll do that and potentially help you in the secondary as a rookie and hopefully be a starter a year from now. So I think they had a good draft that a year from now, man, what if the is the starter? What if they're pulling five starters out of this draft? That'd be absurd. Mm -hmm. It would be nice. I, I'm not
3: that ready. I'm not that ready to go there. I I agree in theory with everything that you said. I wouldn't be surprised if Cheeto winds up at safety, but I also think you probably want to see these guys on the field. Like, Coaches don't like to say anything publicly, but it's pretty easy to recognize when a guy is ready and when he's not uh, once you get on the field, especially from their standpoint. So, if you know, if when they finally get on the field, whenever that is, if Diggs is just like looks like the guy, I could see him starting, but I'm not ready to say that yet because I don't think they're ready to say that. I think you want to see how up to it he is. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like your utility cornerback. You know, Byron kind of started his career as the jack of all trades at everything. He did a little corner. He did a little safety. He played a lot of dime and nickel back. I could see Trayvon doing that if he's not ready to start right away. But, I mean, if he hits the ground
4: running, yeah, let's crank it up. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll show, A, want to commend them for the signing of Anthony Brown, which gave them a lot of leeway. And I know, you know, bringing in Daryl Worley is going to change things and Maurice Kennedy. Like, they've done a lot of things, but I really love that Anthony Brown signing just to allow you to have a little freedom to, to operate in the secondary. Um, I'll, I'll move to the defensive line for this discussion. Uh, I think Tristan Hill is on the clock. I think if Tristan Hill, assuming, and I'm, and I'm making a bold assumption that training camp starts on time, you know, Tristan Hill, you're promised nothing. And I think Neville Gallimore could come in and win a job there. I think Antoine Woods would still be on the roster. But I think Neville Gallimore is a backup DT on this team right now. And Tristan Hill is not. And that's feels a little strange to say, maybe, when one is a third-round pick and one is a second-round pick. But that's uh, that's I think that's something that's a legit thing that's happening. I think you have... A second round, I mean, a third round player in Gallimore will be a rotational, he's your backup three technique, you know, day one is the way I feel about that. And we'll see where Tyrone Crawford fits in the mix. I, I'm sure they'll probably try to keep him at defensive end, but I'm not counting on him for anything just because hip injuries are difficult. Anai is a rotational pass rusher uh, in the likes of Dorrance Armstrong, but can he give you more than Dorrance Armstrong did? You know, that's the type of thing you'll be looking at there, so... That's my thoughts on the D-line right there. Tristan Hill is on the bubble, in my opinion.
2: Well, in Gallimore, specifically looking at that three-technique side, it makes you look like you're really thin. And when it comes to nose tackle, you've got Dontari Poe there and, and Gerald McCoy maybe could slide over and play that. But I think overall nose tackle looks a little thin, so that rotation starts to kind of get crucial for the middle of that defensive line. But as fun Woods. as it
4: is looking over, what was that, KT? So we got Antoine Woods still, right? So That's fair at, at well, the moment have they actually he has
3: not signed his exclusive rights tender uh i was gonna say i mean mm-hmm. i think they're they're gonna there will be a nose tackle on the team that's not currently on it whether that's
2: antoine or yeah. whether
3: they get another guy i think they'll probably sign a vet you know before they go to training
2: camp that's kind of the thought process around really a, a thin spot on that defensive line even with the rotational purposes that you have some of these guys for now As fun as it is, kind of going over and saying how this draft is a win, is it really a win yet? We'll discuss that and more coming up next here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show as we address Twitter on the 20 next.
4: Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of
0: your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a Participating eye care professional by visiting essilorusa.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys?
4: free shipping your new apartment's big such a great deal
0: Uh, it's
3: okay
4: just okay what's not too?
3: right above the subway
4: well i bet you don't even notice it after the
3: that's my neighbor angus
0: a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. This is is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show.
1: Stark along third and three, and another interception scored right to Diggs. And Diggs, who had a fumble recovery for a touchdown last week, has a pick six this week up and throws, and it's intercepted, Trayvon Diggs.
2: Cowboys second round pick, Trey Von Diggs out of Alabama, providing quite the conversation when it comes to that corner spot heading into the 2020 season. Welcome back into the Dallas Cowboys draft show, final draft show here of the season, and until that bye week comes up later this fall. Kyle Yeomans, KT, we've got Dave Hellman and Jeff Cavanaugh here as well. Time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter, Twitter on the 20. 20. And, of course, Twitter on the 20 and the entire draft show brought to you by Miller Light, our great draft partners who had a lot of fun this past weekend, no doubt about it. But we're going to start things off with a good buddy of ours, especially a good buddy of KT's. We've got Jeff Wade on Twitter, and he comes out and he says, uh, this is a crucial question, by the way, and he says, when is a quote-unquote safe amount of time to properly evaluate the success Or failure of a team's particular draft and I think this is especially important right now as we're extremely high on the entire draft class we're extremely high after the past weekend but when can we really evaluate whether this is a thumbs up
1: or a thumbs down guys three years I think three years is the generally accepted time frame and I think that that's I think that that's right I think Once you get three years in the books, you'll know. Has the guy turned into a starter yet? Is he a quality starter? Is he a rotation piece? I think after three years in the league, you'll have a pretty good handle on where these guys are unless he plays quarterback, and then the entire world will still debate it forever. Yeah, good point. I I mean, it's definitely going to take some time.
3: I thought Will McClay had an awesome line when he was on with Jeff on 105.3 earlier this week when he was like, let's call it a well-executed draft, we'll know if it was a home run when we're actually at the plate. Um, I would even say probably, I would say two years, uh, because, you know, you even think about it, Byron Jones became an all-pro in his fourth year, which, you know, totally justifies the pick, it was a good pick, but it's a little disappointing that the Cowboys needed three or four years to get that type of production out of their first-round pick. I think in this age of the NFL where you know you know quarterbacks used to sit for like two years before they played now they're I- they're in the starting lineup right from the jump um so I think I mean if your guy's not contributing after two years that's pretty disappointing uh, not to say that it can't work out Byron Jones is proof of that but two seasons is is where I start to make my judgment I think
4: so I, I think Oh, the, everyone wants you to have like a super hot opinion here, but I'm going to kind of ride in the middle. I think it also depends on what your franchise is doing. A couple things. What's your franchise's draft history? Do you have a history of doing a pretty good job of the draft? Maybe I, I can you know, cut you a little slack if you mess up one year. Things like that. But two, like, it's going to be a little different. This Cowboys team is close. They added good players who can help them now. Uh, so I can judge this draft three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. Sure. Uh, think about a team. I'm not saying this because I follow them, but if I'm the Packers and I'm close and went to the NFC Championship game and I'm mailed in a draft like they did last week, I think you can judge that draft the day after the draft ends. Like I think you can judge that draft pretty harshly and say, "Well, what do you? You're not? Are you not trying to help your team win now?" And I realize there's a Jordan Love element there, but like the whole point is. I think it depends. I think there's whole different different types of branches that you can have on this conversation. Uh, and if I'm gonna give a general safe answer, yeah, two or three years, sure. But you know, I, I yeah, think for the Bengals, there's a, if there's if you're the Bingles there's a little more urgency for you to nail a draft. So I'm gonna judge you immediately. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and
3: not to go off the rails on a Packer tangent, but like. That team got a game away from the Super Bowl with what they had. I know, like, nobody is high on their draft. I don't really love it either, but maybe they're right about a lot of those guys and everybody else is wrong. I mean, two years from now, forget Jordan Love. Like, two years from now, uh, Deguara, the tight end they drafted, and um, Allen, the running back out of Boston College, like, maybe those guys are total
4: badasses. Who knows? I don't it's think really, AJ Dillon's going to be a total badass. <laughs> neither do I.
3: Neither do I. But crazier things have happened. I'm just saying. I mean, you got to at least give them. I like I said. I think rookie contracts are four years, so half of the life of the deal is when you
2: can make a judgment on whether it was smart or not, in my opinion. Okay. And it's really easy to judge a draft really early on. I mean, look at Tristan Hill's pick in 2018. People were judging that halfway through the season because, one, he wasn't active, so you could fairly kind of talk about the fact that he wasn't playing, and he was a healthy scratch the majority of the time, but you're really quick to to kind of tab that 2018 draft as a failure with no first-round pick, and then you have Tristan Hill, but you you traded that first-round pick for Amari Cooper, who you're feeling pretty good about at the same time, so Uh, you kind of got to give it some time. I think I'm right around where Jeff and and Dave are, where it's like two and a half, three years, where you start to kind of see where things develop. Now this next question goes a little bit further into the draft, and we go back to the seventh round. This comes from Dustin Miller, and he asks, Realistically, could you see Ben DiNucci competing for the backup quarterback job, or is he strictly a third-string or practice squad kind of guy?
1: The expectation should probably be that he's that he's a, a third stringer. That mm-hmm. should be probably the realistic expectation for Cooper Rush, who's now been in the league for, what, three years? So that should be the expectation, but I don't think it's crazy that if he's consistently better than him in camp and he has a nice preseason that he ends up being the backup quarterback. Uh, I don't think there's a whole bunch – like there's not anything invested in Cooper Rush. If the guy plays better, I think he could take his job yeah I think he could. I just don't expect it to happen I mean, you know
3: cooper rush has what this is his fourth NFL season i believe um he's been doing this for a while i yeah, my expectation is for Danucci if he's really good, I think he would be your third quarterback. there's two extra roster spots now you get fifty five guys so you can it's a little bit easier to carry that third quarterback if you want to or maybe stash him on the practice squad. I think Danucci would have to be. An absolute baller to just outright take uh, Cooper Rush's job. So I'm not counting on that, but it's not impossible.
4: Yeah, I think Danucci would have to go full Romo in a preseason, you know, to, to do to, to take over Cooper Rush. It always felt to me like they were trying to make Cooper Rush be the next Jason Garrett. So that's always was always what I kind of felt. But then you get a new head coach in there. Uh, head coach co- joke. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but uh, well, yeah. Look, lowest common denominator, low hanging fruit, whatever. That's okay. Uh, we'll course. talk about the Giants draft. We'll, we'll talk about the Giants draft in the next segment. Um, but uh, you know, a guy like Ben DiNucci, who's getting ties to Mike McCarthy. is going to have a little bit of a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, I think what's interesting about backup quarterback is a. I generally don't care about it um, too much because I don't. I'm not counting on my quarterback getting hurt. Um, B, I would say that it's a situation where, again, the pandemic is going to change a lot about how we think about this football team. Like, Mm -hmm. what if they shorten up preseason and there's only two preseason games? That's going to hurt Ben DiNucci's chance of making an impression, I would imagine.
2: Okay, and kind of going off of that, our next question from Matt White sticks with the quarterback and the backup quarterback conversation and I think it kind of adds to what KT just mentioned with the fa- the fact of the pandemic coming into it. But Matt White asked, Bengals releasing Andy Dalton, would he be a good pickup as a backup for that?
1: If he's making peanuts, if okay. he's going to sign for basically nothing, like I'd love to have Jameis Winston on the deal that the Saints got him at, but I yeah. think that's a different opportunity because I think Jameis is out there auditioning to be the next quarterback of the Saints, and I don't think that's what's happening if somebody comes in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if it's cheap and you can upgrade the backup quarterback slot, and that guy's happy being a backup quarterback and knowing that that's what his job is, come on with it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you think it, Andy it's Dalton unreal.
2: would be okay with that,
1: though. If he signs, he would. I don't think he would sign here, thinking he's going to take Dak Prescott's job. If he does, mm-hmm. he's a delusional guy, and that's a weird thing to have in my backup quarterback. So maybe I don't need that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean. You're not going to get the Winston deal. That's insane. Like, way to go Saints. Yeah. I don't I mean that's that's one in a million. But I I would sign I would be interested in signing Dalton even for like cheap for quarterback standards. You know, like if Andy Dalton wanted to sign here for like somewhere between I don't know, 10 and 20 million. I don't know exactly what the ballpark would be, but like on a short deal or a one-year deal, I would do it. It doesn't seem like they're using that extra cap space anyway. Um, he's, you know, he's started a lot of games in the league he's taken him to the playoffs he went to college in the DFW area he knows the area I believe he's got a house here um, I, would, I would love that I don't get the feeling that they would do it and I'd be curious what his price would be but I would definitely do it under the right circumstances I think it
4: would be great I would say that he's way down on my call list of guys that I would be calling about trying to woo in for a one year deal because uh, Everson Griffin and Jadavian Clowney, I'd still be yeah. making those calls on the one-year deal situation. Um, guys who are clearly not going to make what they thought they were going to make in the market, it's only going to get worse because the economy of the league is going to change just a little bit, slightly. Um, and if I'm Andy Dalton, I'm trying to see if New England's going to have me in for a year. Or I'm trying to see if Jacksonville is not fully committed to rolling out with you know Gardner Minshew. If I'm Andy Dalton, I'm, I'm still trying to start somewhere. Um Not that I think he can do that, but I would still be looking there first. But look, yeah, he wants to come in and and work for $4 million or something. Yeah, I'm okay with that as long as I've exhausted all other options. And by that, I mean calling Jadavion Clowney and Everson Griffin. Hey, guys, one year. Let's go make a run. Come on in.
2: So... With the backup quarterback spot, and I know, KT, you just mentioned a little bit ago, normally you don't really talk about it, but with the, the current DAC situation and the current pandemic situation, right now, if it were today, who would you feel more comfortable with? Cooper Rush, Ben DiNucci, or even Clayton Thorson thrown in there as well?
1: Oh. None of the above. Yeah, we're I mean, just a So
2: you're saying outside hire here?
3: Yeah. Oh no, I'm saying yeah. that I'm saying that my quarterback is a tank who never gets hurt. That's I mean, I'm not worried about it. Mm. Dak I He mean, got hurt.
1: He got he, hurt. He's he not a tank up, anymore. We can't do that. He banged up his
3: shoulder a little bit, it's fine. He's he couldn't 26.
1: throw He's twenty six He couldn't throw for two weeks.
3: Do you think that they're <laughs> going to do you think they're gonna make a real move? Like do you think they're gonna sign Dalton or anybody?
1: I don't, but I think they might be wise too because I think oh, the idea I, that guys are indestructible is cool until they're not. And Dak is he's not. He, nobody's indestructible and you'll find it out eventually and they probably would have been better with better off with Cooper Rush in that Eagles game if they could redo it all over again because your quarterback couldn't throw. I don't disagree with you. I like I just think
3: it's it's going to be the guys that are here and that doesn't make anybody feel good, but I'm gonna roll. I'm just gonna roll and say, well, I hope my guy's as durable as he's proven to be for most of his career.
2: Now, yeah, final I'm, question. Oh, go for it. Yeah, Casey.
4: Go, go, go ahead, Kyle. No, no, no. We're good. We need to get moving. You're right.
2: So, final question here on Twitter on the 20, and this comes from Stephen Baird. And Baird asks, he said, "What do you project as the biggest positions of need for next year's draft?" Now, this is way looking ahead. I understand, but he said. He wants to know because he wants some positions and players to watch for the upcoming collegiate season, assuming that it ends up happening. Who are some of those different, or what are some of those different positions of need that you think the Cowboys could draft next year?
1: Linebacker, safety, defensive line. Say, I would say.
3: Co- oh, go ahead, KT. Go ahead, go ahead,
4: Dave. No, no, go ahead. Well, cornerback. Cornerback is still going to be a thing because Cheeto and, and Jordan are going to be gone. Mm-hmm. So cornerback will still be a position that you look to fill. Uh, I agree. line, I think depending on what happens with Jarwin, tight end could be something that they consider as well. But yeah, I think Jeff kind of named him right there. And we've been talking about safety for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean safety Oh, sorry. Go for it, Dave. No, I, that's a good point.
3: Um I just and I look i I mean he's had and he's missed games four years in a row. I understand the durability concerns with Tyron Smith, but I don't have any indication as of now to think that he's going to stop playing in the next two to three years, so yeah, I yeah. think that's that's definitely something they should look at, and again kind of like what we talked about this year is like you know if the right guy's there or if there's a you know Sadiq Charles is a guy that I would have loved if they had drafted this year, if it had fallen that way. It didn't work out. For me, it's edge rusher. You know, and I'm, I totally am on board with not drafting Chase on. I think Lamb was the right call. But, you know, we all have high hopes for Bradley and Nye, I, but I don't, you don't bank on that. You don't bank on Jalen Jelks and Dorrance Armstrong. Alden Smith is on a one-year deal, also is not technically part of the team right now. So that's, I mean, if you're talking, and for that matter, Tyrone Crawford, who we talked so much about, his deal is up at the end of the season as yeah. well. So for me, that is, the, that is the bright red trouble spot that I've got to come out of next year's draft with a, a playmaker at that
2: position. I've got five names to add to the back half of this question because I was bored the other day and I kind of wanted to see who we would be looking at in terms of a team. So I've got five names written down. First one is Alex Leatherwood, tackle out of Alabama, left tackle. It it, it was kind of what I alluded to a little bit earlier. He's one of those potential top 10 picks. Now, I do not expect the Cowboys, nor do I want the Cowboys to be in the top 10, but he's at least one of those top prospects. Same thing with Sam Cosme, I believe is how you say his name, from Texas, another guy who played right tackle, but he may even make the switch to left tackle coming up this season. Richard LeConte, I believe, safety out of Georgia, 50 tackles per season on average the last three years with the Bulldogs. He's somebody to look out for. Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. And LeBrian Ray, defensive end and defensive tackle for Alabama. He can play inside and outside. Had an, a leg injury, leg issue last year, but he's six five. 292 pounds, and I think he's going to have a breakout year this year for the Crimson Tide. So wanted to throw some names out there. That is going to do it for Twitter on the 20, though. When we come back, we're going to debate whether or not the Cowboys really did have the best draft in the NFC East. We'll discuss that and more when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show.
1: Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com.
4: Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal.
1: Eh,
3: it's okay.
4: Just okay? What's not too... It's
3: right above the subway!
4: Well, I bet you don't even notice it after
3: the... That's my neighbor, Angus!
0: A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down Dr. Pepper. So nice to treat you. This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
2: Some highlights from our third-round pick, Neville Gallimore, bringing us into our final segment of the DallasCowboys.com draft show this season. It's a little bit sad that the draft is now in the rearview mirror, but it's happy because, hey, the draft was well executed, in the words of Will McClay, and we have a lot to talk about moving forward into this 2020 season. But we've also got a lot to talk about. When it comes to the NFC East and the drafts that were had by our divisional rivals, when it t- comes to the Eagles, the Giants, and the Redskins, Kyle Yeomans, KT, David Hellman, and the great Jeff Cavanaugh here for the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Let's start with the Eagles. They had an interesting draft, and they were very angry at the beginning of it. Should they be angry though, when it t- when it comes to Eagles fans? Whenever you look at guys like Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, Kavon Wallace. Prince Tega, Winago in the sixth round, by the way. A couple guys in there scattered throughout that can make an impact. What do you guys overall think about what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the draft?
1: I think Eagle fans are going to do what Eagle fans do, which is be mad at stuff because it's kind of what they do. Um, And I think it's kind of dumb. I think the Eagles had a draft that makes a ton of sense. For instance, Mm -hmm. I think that... If you have a quarterback, let's say, miss four games in a year, I think you have a better chance to win those games with Jalen Hurts than you do with Jordan Love. So they used a pick that was more than 30 picks later for a guy that I think can help you win tomorrow if your quarterback gets hurt because he's willing to use his legs and carry the ball 10 to 15 times a game. You can simplify a game plan. And he can help you win. And your quarterback has shown that you need somebody like that on your roster. So quarterbacks are so valuable if they ever have to touch the field. The odds are Jalen Hurts is going to have to touch the field, which makes him more valuable than anybody else you were going to pick in the second round. And I think everybody got mad about the Jalen Rager pick because everybody just reads mock drafts. Everybody reads mock drafts, and they kept seeing Justin Jefferson, and so people got excited about that. Rager was my fourth wide receiver on my board. Jefferson was my sixth. So I think they made a good decision. But I think a lot of fans, not everybody has the time or the want to or the access to study the players on their own. So I think a lot of people were getting excited about a certain name, and he was available, and they didn't pick him, and so they assumed the other guy's not good at football. And I had Rager rated higher as a prospect than Jefferson. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anybody in the East had a bad draft. I think Davion Taylor, the linebacker out of Colorado in the third, and Kayvon Wallace in the fourth are good picks at good value. John Hightower, the Boise receiver in the fifth, is good value. The Eagles, I think, had a fine draft. You know, if you're letter grading it, I think that's a B, B plus, something like that. Uh, and I know they're they're just getting killed because they picked a quarterback. Your team needs to care about backup quarterback. Your quarterback gets hurt. Not only
3: that, but and I I keep saying this, like the more I think about the Hurts pick, the more I like it. To be honest, like I don't understand how Eagle fans have so little trust in Howie Roseman. Like the guy put together a Super Bowl winning team. He's done so much smart stuff. He traded up to get you Wentz. He makes deals during draft weekend all the time to improve the roster. By the way, they went and got um, Marquise Goodwin during the draft, which helps them in the short term. Smart. Uh, But then you have a creative coach like Doug Peterson. Jalen Hurts can be insurance for Carson Wentz. But on top of that, he can do, like Jeff said, he can do stuff as a runner. He could probably do a little, you know, nothing crazy, but a little bit of receiver work, uh, some read option stuff. I think it's really smart. And then on day three, they just threw numbers at their problems. Like they drafted two receivers. They drafted two line ba- uh, two linebacker type players. They drafted two offensive linemen. If even like two of those guys hit, like let's say if John Hightower hits and Jalen Rager's a good player, then your receiver core looks pretty good for the foreseeable future. So they're getting killed right now. And I won't be surprised if they look really smart in
4: 18 months. Well, they have a type, don't they? Rager, John Hightower, or Quez Watkins, who's more of a you know a fringe roster player right now. Yeah. But they have a type, speed guys, and they all mix in. They've already got you know Deshaun jo- Jackson on the team who can still run a little bit, and then trading for you know Marquise Goodwin, like, as you said. Yeah. You know, really, it's just Arkega Whitesides. They're only kind of like slower types. They're trying to get fast. Uh, and I like when NFL teams in this day and age try to get fast. I think that's an important thing to do. So, now I, I thought they had a fine draft. Um, again, you know, with me, Jalen Hurts, it's not what I would have done there. I understand the rationale behind the pick, but I was probably lower on Hurts than maybe a lot of other people. But, yes, they did have to, you know, approach backup quarterback. There's no denying that at all. It's just can you get by with Nate Sudfield or Kyle Lalloleta? Uh, they obviously feel like they don't, but that's where Andy Dalton's become available and things like that. If you wanted to go that route, you know I would have probably got something, you know, in the second round that they could help in another area. You, know, you look at their defensive line; they did so good in free agency as well, getting Javon Hargrave to play right next to Fletcher Cox. Uh, that's just really good work. So uh, I, I, have, I think the Eagles are going to be tough. I, I still think the Cowboys are the favorite to win the division, but I think the Eagles are going to be tough. I think Howie Roseman is one of, like, five GMs
3: where if he does something, I just implicitly trust that it's probably smart. Like, not everything that they do is going to work out, but his track record since he got the job back from Chip Kelly is pretty damn good. So I don't get why everybody's hating.
2: Well, going off of that, do you guys want to go to the opposite side of that spectrum and go look at the New York Giants and see what they did in their draft? Or or, where are we going at with that? Because you've got Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Darnay Holmes. Those are all great names, but was the value correct for each one of those picks?
1: Probably. I think the Andrew Thomas pick is the interesting one because a lot Mm -hmm. of people didn't have him as their top offensive tackle. But... I think I can see how a team would trust him the most out of all of the offensive tackles. You're a four-year starter at Georgia that just kept getting better. Uh, and Xavier McKinney at number 36 overall, I think that's right about where he should have gone. I could have seen him going just a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't love the rest of their draft, but I think they picked two guys that are going to be rock-solid starters for at yeah. least four years on their team. So I won't kill the Giants draft either. Again, I don't think there was a bad draft in the East.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who knows how much influence Jason Garrett has at this point in his Giants career, but I don't know. Andrew Thomas just feels like such a Jason Garrett pick, like a steady four-year starter. Jason, like I can just imagine Jason Garrett being like, ah, we're really going to gamble on somebody's upside when we've seen this guy just kick ass in the SEC for four years. Uh, so, you know, maybe somebody, maybe another tackle in this draft class has a better career but I bet Andrew Thomas starts and plays well for a long time in the NFL. And I, I mean, I hate the McKinney pick because the Giants made it, but I like that pick a lot. I mean, that's right where they got Landon Collins out of the same school a couple years ago. That yeah. worked out pretty well. I don't know if Xavier McKinney's as good as Landon Collins, um, but that value for that player is great. Um, I'm with Jeff. I don't. I don't have a strong opinion about the rest of these picks. I don't know if uh, Parrot from. UConn is going to be anything crazy, but those
4: first two picks seem seem pretty nice. Well, they have some older guys in the offensive line. Kevin Zeitler, the uh, former Browns great, is getting older. Nate Solder is getting older. Matt Peart, the third round, that's excellent value. I liked him a lot, the Connecticut offensive tackle. Shane Lemieux in the fifth round, to me, like mm-hmm. those are your Solder and those are your Zeitler replacements like you're already gearing up for when these teams it's, it's more of a building for the future type draft in terms of how they dealt with the offensive line a little bit Obviously Xavier McKinney will come in and likely start and I like what the Giants have done too. They added some help on defense They signed uh, Kyler Fackrell who can help off the edge a little bit as a pass rusher. He'll probably start for them I know with play and a 3-4 and sometimes he can play a little uh, coverage as a linebacker as well and then you know they signed Blake Martinez as well from the Packers to play in the middle, but you know, like they want to run the ball and they want to protect their their quarterback who got killed last year. So those are two ways to start working on that draft offensive line. I don't always agree with like their direction. I would have probably tried to add something to that wide receiver core. Like they're they're asking a lot out of Corey Coleman right now, going into this year. But you look at what they got last year. Golden Taint is going to give you what he gives you if he can stay healthy. Sterling Shepard got hurt a little bit last year, but if he can stay healthy, we know he's solid. And then Darius Slayton had a great year; like he's got you know wide receiver number two upside. they got three guys who have this kind of like upside to to kind of be like a number two type wide receiver. You know they didn't get that number one wide receiver type man. Offensive tackle was a dire need. They they did not want to start Cameron Fleming at left tackle this year and let Daniel Jones get killed again. They just can't do that. That's probably they address the needs
2: whenever it comes to. Go for it, Dave. No, go ahead. Who,
3: who's got the worst receiver core between the Redskins and the Giants? Because obviously the Eagles and the Cowboys are both, I think, better than those two. Yeah.
4: Redskins' second wide receiver is, you know, either Kelvin Harmon or Trey Quinn from SMU.
3: Yeah, I Oof. think I think I give the Giants the nod over Washington. That's not a super inspiring group over there.
2: Yeah, just barely, though. Like, it, it's not a it's not a convincing win in terms of the wide receiving core. But what I was going to say yep. was just ter- in terms of the offensive line, I mean, three of their first five picks when you're talking about the Giants were from that offensive line side of things. Matthew Parrott in that third round, like uh, KT mentioned. And Shane Lemieux, I mentioned this on the draft coverage, but going into the 2019 drafts, or uh, college football season, rather, he was heralded as one of the maybe first-round, second-round locks in the offensive line, didn't have a great 2019, and so he fell all the way to the fifth. But I still think that's a magnificent value in a guy who's a little bit of a project, but could fill in and be an admirable starter for a long time. Now, you, you mentioned the Redskins there, Dave. Chase Young, Antonio Gibson, should he Carl or Charles, excuse me, a couple of their uh, overall, I guess, highlights from the draft. What are we thinking with? Having to face Chase Young twice a year, that's not necessarily uh, what you want. But they did go out and get Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty to try and beef up that wide receiver core. What do we think about Washington's draft?
3: I think, I mean, honestly, top to bottom, it's probably my least favorite group from rounds one to seven. But it has the best player in the draft, so they get credit for that. And, I mean, drafting Chase Young is a no-brainer, but they still got him. He's still going to be rushing the passer for at least five years. Um, so that's that's a win in my book. But then, I don't know, Antonio Gibson, pick 66 seems a little early. I love Sadiq Charles as a player, but he comes with off-field concerns that you have to take seriously. Um, you know, he only played half of last season for LSU. I wonder if he can stay on the straight and narrow with the Redskins. So, I mean... You know your your top three picks. You know they oh they didn't have a second because of their trade last year for Montez Sweat. So your top three picks, you you might only have Chase Young as your sure thing. So I don't love that, but again, Chase Young is a pretty nice thing to have.
4: I go ahead, Jeff.
1: I was to say three of their four top picks carry uh, pretty large elements of risk. Antonio Gibson. How are you going to use him? Is he playing receiver? Is he playing running back? Is your offensive staff equipped to use him properly? And was 66 too early? Sadiq Charles. Um, All of the things that Dave is talking about. Uh, Is he going to be able to just show up and be a pro? Maybe you got a steal. Maybe you got somebody who's not going to make it. And Antonio Gandy Golden, who I liked his tape, but the 40 time at the combine and then the fact that you played at Liberty, like there's an element of risk there. So. The Redskins to me are the biggest wild card, where they might have hit a home run with their first four picks, and they might
4: have whiffed on three of the four. They're weird, right? Like, are they going to run Adrian Peterson back out there again? And obviously, they they'd like Darius Geist to get healthy. And you yeah. know, there's a lot going on with their training staff and his health. Uh, you know, Terry McLaren, though had a great year. McLaurin, sorry. Um, and I think what I would say about Antonio Gibson, I know he's a different build, a little bit bigger, and. But he's a guy, I think, who they might be looking to play that kind of Chris Thompson role that was so excellent for them you know, years ago. He's a guy that no matter what, they're going to find a way to get the ball to him 10 to 15 times a game. They're going to hand it to him a few times, but they're going to throw it to him probably seven times. So I wonder if that's kind of what the role they're looking for for him. You know, another thing I'd say about their draft, when you look at uh, what they did after Chase Young, Sadiq Charles in the fourth round could could come start for them. You know, they traded Trent yeah. Williams away. He could come start he might for have them. to. Uh have and he might have to. And also Keith Ismail is a good player. Like Keith Ismail is a center that I thought the Cowboys might want to be interested in. And I, I like uh Biddish better than that, but Keith smells is a good player. Like I, they got some pretty good value late in the draft when I looked up and down their board. But yeah, again, you know, you 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 go, what's gonna happen with Antonio Gibson? Was that too early? I don't know. I, depending on how they utilize him. He was dangerous. He's got some great highlights. He's got some really good tape uh, playing in the slot mostly at Memphis. Um, he was very fun to watch, but yeah, 66 is maybe a little rich for me. So I think that's going to be the key. They definitely need a little more offensive firepower. We'll, we'll find out if he can kind of give that to them immediately. Or, and I, just, I can't help but think they're going to run out Adrian Peters again and Play slow ball on offense. That's just not the way you the win. You one. can't win by playing slow on offense. Yeah. The
3: ageless one.
4: I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you
3: one thing. I feel like me as a Cowboys beat writer. This this will be my eighth season, go covering the team and going to the games. I think of Washington as like the least juicy divisional rivalry for obvious reasons. Like it's been the longest since they've been good. They almost never beat the Cowboys. Like, I think, the, you know, the Cowboys' record against them is, like, they win, like, 85% of the meetings since, since like, 2010. But! Cowboys O-line versus Redskins D-line is going to be some must-see TV. Like, you add Chase Young to what was already a pretty sturdy group. and They, they traded up for Montez Sweat last year. They've got the two Bama guys, Jonathan Allen and, and Deron Payne. And then hopefully they keep Ryan Kerrigan around because he's one of the most underrated players in the league as far as I'm concerned. Um, That is just scintillating stuff to watch if you're into line play. I can't wait to see that next year.
2: It's definitely going to be much-watched TV, but before we get out of here, way too early, are the Cowboys the favorite in the division after the draft and the undrafted free agents that they added?
1: Yes. No. I'll say I say I say no. I say uh, you got to prove it. The Eagles won okay. the division with an incredibly depleted team last year. I will probably pick the Cowboys to win the division because I believe that your record in one-score games evens out year to year. I believe that they're going to win 10 or 11 games, but they should not be the favorite. The Eagles have built that D-line even better. They've addressed their secondary, and they beat you last year with the walking wounded roster. So, no, you got to earn it. I like it. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I think it's, I think it's, you could call it a
3: toss-up. Like, it should come down to those two teams. It'll, you know, it'll probably come down to whether or not you can win at the link, just like it did last year. Um, I, yeah, on paper, I'd, I'd give Philly a slight nod. Go earn it, Cowboys. You were supposed to be better last
4: year, and you disappointed. So, go prove why we're wrong. It's an even-numbered year, 2020. Cowboys are your favorite to win the division.
2: (laughs) Hey, it's been a while since you've had back-to-back winners, so why not the Cowboys? Let's throw that in there. But uh, got a long list of people to thank. Specifically, we'll start things off with Miller Lite. Thank you, Miller Lite, for once again being an incredible draft partner. Papa John's out there as well. Dunkin' Donuts for uh, providing donuts throughout the course of the year. But specifically... It's been an incredible year of the draft show for guys like Derek Eagleton, Nick Eatman, Scott Purcell, Bucky Brooks, uh, Chris Beam, Matt Kent, Caden Gates, Aaron Gonzalez, Alex Lilly, Brian Broadus, Dane Brugler, and then you three. Thank you guys so much. It's been fun for you guys, or just to be in the same conversation as you three. both. KT and Jeff, I've listened to you guys for years talk about the draft, and then Dave, of course, all of your great work with the uh, with the Cowboys overall. It's been a blast for me this season on the draft show, and I can't wait to do it again.
3: Great job, Kyle. It was great having you on. Good addition. Love doing this show with you all. Uh, yeah, successful. Uh, yeah. And we'll just go ahead and take credit for the Lamb we'll pick,
2: pick, too. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah, we willed that to happen, right? Yeah, Yeah, we'll we made that start.
4: happen. Team 40-burger we'll rides. We'll do it again next year. Burger. Get you ready for the 32nd pick in the draft.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be great? I, that would be great. I hope.
3: Yeah, I hope that's true. We If they pick 32nd, awesome. we might not start the draft show until,
1: like, late February if that's the case. Cowboys but, uh, <laughs> select Devontae Smith, Alabama wide receiver, for Team 50-burger. 50 <laughs> 50 <laughs> team 50-burger. I like it.
2: Team 50-burger. Okay. I like it. So we've got to start that trending between now and now. And next April as well. But for everybody I just mentioned, that has been the final edition of the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Until the bye week of this 2020 football season, stay safe, stay indoors so we can have a 2020 football season. And thank you all there all out there as essential workers as well. So for KT, for Dave Hellman, for Jeff Cavanaugh, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long one final time here for the DallasCowboys.com draft show.